we are continuing in our study, seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible. And uh, we've been seeing some things. And I'm excited because we're going to see some more things tonight. Amen. And uh, if you get a revelation that you didn't have before tonight, then my assignment will be complete. Amen. And uh, when you open the word of God, uh, there's always something fresh that you can see. It's always something fresh you can learn because the Bible is a supernatural book. It's a what? It's a supernatural book, meaning it's not a natural book, meaning it's not like reading the dictionary. It's not like reading a novel. It's not like reading instruction. It's not like any other book. It's the supernatural word of God. It is the word of God. And so, and so, you know, when you go to it one time and you say, I went to the Bible and I tried to read it and I fell asleep, that's not the Bible's fault. <laughs> you fell asleep because you was already sleepy. <laughs> and, and sometimes you fell asleep because you didn't understand that this is the supernatural word of God. And, and, and when you approach it, you have to approach it like it's the supernatural word of God and it's God speaking to me. And, and when I go to the word and I have a need, the word of God will speak to my need. Amen. It will speak to your need. How do I know it will speak to your need? Because that's what it's for. It, it's for instruction. It's for assistance. It's, it's to lead us in the good and the right. It's for comfort. It's for comfort. It, it's for answers. It's for solutions. Everything that you need to know is in the Word. Amen. Somebody said, well, I read, I, read that, I read five verses and I didn't see what I was looking for. Well, yeah, one the right five verses. Okay? And, and, so, and so what is that? That makes it imperative on us to learn it and to know it so that we know where to go for answers when we read it. We know where to go for solutions when we need it. We know where to read. I said where to read. Right? You need to know where to read. Not, 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 the, not the baby way. Now, we, when we first got saved, we read the Bible the baby way. What was that? Here's my Bible. It's open. I read it. I just let it fall open anywhere. Well, well, well that's one way. And you know what? The Lord will use that way. <laughs> when you're a baby. Amen. But when you get grown up, he's going he to expect you to know chapter and verse where to go. And he's so good. He's, he's given us so many tools so that we can know. He, he's given us tools like the concordance, right? Where you can pick one word and it'll tell you and it'll help you find the verse you're looking for. Bible dictionaries. Amen. Now, now, now Bibles, Bibles on your phone. Now more than one translation. Because, because there used to be just the one translation, right? The King James Version, that was what everybody in America, that's, that's it, my Bible, King James. And, and, it had, and then it had their little bitty print that you needed five magnifying glasses before you could see one, before you could use it, right? Now you got giant print. 
Now you got it on your, on your mobile devices. Now you've got many translations. What is that for? For our understanding. Because God wants us to know who he is. He wants us to draw near to him, not run away. So he, he, he's doing thing after thing after thing to help us draw closer and closer and closer not just physically closer, but closer in understanding, closer in knowing who he is, closer in trust that he loves you, closer in, in, in trust that he's not gonna kick you to the curb, closer in, in realizing that nothing you can do can separate you from his love. That's good, right? That, that's, that's what this is for, to draw us closer and closer and closer so that, so, that, so that when we think about him, we have total confidence. When we think about him, we have total rest. When we think about going to him, we don't think about, well, I'm not going because I, I messed up today. No, I think I, think I better go because I messed up today. So I'm going to go and be received. I'm going to go and be received in love on the day that I messed up. Because his love for us is unconditional. And when I know what's in here, then that helps me. Amen? That draws me to him. That's good. Okay? So, let's, let's go a little bit further. Say a little bit. We're not going far. I'm going to tell you that right now. We're not, we're not going far. I keep, because zooming through this is... Not working, okay? <laughs> Zooming through this is not working, okay? So, so um, let's see Jesus in some more places in the Bible tonight because we've been studying Jesus. Is in, we can see Jesus Christ in every book of the Bible, okay? We can either see him in person, we can see him mentioned. We can see somebody that resembles him. We can see somebody that came before he did, that kind of looked like him, that kind of pointed to the fact that somebody's coming. Somebody's coming greater than me. Somebody's coming who's well able to do whatever you need to have done. Okay? So, we've been looking, we've been seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible, and... Uh, we kind of got stuck here at First and Second Chronicles and First uh, and Second Kings, uh, those books, and uh, we're still stuck. So y'all, just so y'all know, okay, just so y'all know, okay. We're gonna go a little bit further tonight, okay. We, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're supposed to do it last week. Get into a little bit of Ezra. Y'all pray for me. We're gonna get, we're gonna get, try to get a little bit of Ezra in here tonight, okay. But before we do, I think we did a little bit last time. Didn't we? See? All right. All right. Good scholars. Y'all remember. I ain't got to give you a quiz or nothing. Y'all remember. Praise the Lord. So, so and we're we we probably going to go just that far tonight. No further, okay? Because I want to back up uh, so that we have understanding relative to um, what's going on in the book of Ezra and why it took place. So we're going back up to, we're going back into First and Second Chronicles, a little bit of First and Second Kings, so that we can see what Ezra was all about and what God was about in using Ezra. Okay, so so some of what I'm going to say is a review. So that means you can answer questions, right? Because I'm we're going to say something you heard before. Don't get don't give me that look. 
We're gonna, you're gonna re say the Lord's gonna bring it back to my remembrance. He's gonna bring it back. I'm gonna remember, okay? And, and, and Pastor Sandy gonna help me, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So I want us to back up to uh, talk a little bit about the nation of Israel and when they asked for a king. Okay. And so I just want to, I just want to mention uh, and ask you who were the first three kings of the nation of Israel? Who was the first one? Saul. See, you know this, you know this. Okay. Saul was the first one. Okay. And who was the second one? David was the second one. Who was the third one? Hmm? Solomon was the third one. Solomon was David's son, right? Okay, and when, when kingship was established in the nation of Israel, the Lord said that, that the kings would always come through that bloodline, right? He said they always come through that bloodline. And the king of kings was his name? Jesus. And he came through that bloodline to be our savior, to be the savior of the whole world, right? So, so there's Saul, then there was David, then Solomon, okay? And when David became the king, what, what did he do for the nation of Israel, for the tribes of Israel? What did he do? He brought them together, correct? He brought them together because Prior to that, they had been separated, right? And, I, and I, I like to think of it, they were separated 10 and 2, okay? you like, when you're driving the car, 10 and 2, right? You're supposed to hold the steering wheel, <laughs> right? So, so 10 of the tribes lived in the northern part of their promised land, right? Two of the tribes lived in the southern part of their promised land, okay? The two in the southern part of their promised land, what tribes were they? Judah, yes, Judah, and Benjamin, okay? And the other ten were in the northern part, okay? So, so Saul was king, he lived, he died. David was king, he lived, he died. Solomon was king. He lived, he died. When Solomon died, one of his sons became the king. And uh, that's when everything started going seriously downhill because Solomon, because Solomon and David, father David, son Solomon, had, this, had similar issues. Because I don't care who you are, you got issues. Right? Everybody got something. So, so father and son had similar issues. And we're not going to get up into all day issues because we'd be here all night. Uh, but I do want to highlight one issue that they had, and that was in raising their sons. They had issues, meaning what? Their sons were princes, right? So, so they, they had every advantage. They had everything they wanted. They lacked for no good thing. And so, and so uh, they were left in the care of other people, right? So, so their sons became what, would you say? There it is, the S word, spoiled. 
they were spoiled, right? And, and, uh, and Solomon kind of, you know, he kind of overcame better than his brothers, than his, than his uh, other brothers did, um, but he still had some mega issues, okay? So, so Solomon raised his sons and they uh, were spoiled rotten. And after he, after he poured out all the wisdom and, and built the temple and, and all this stuff, uh, when he died, one of his sons became the king and his son, that son's name was Rehoboam. And he did not follow in the good and right things that his father did. He, he, he was like, uh, no, I ain't doing that. He continued to be buck wild. Y'all know what that means, right? He and, and, he be and he put hard labor on people. He piled taxes on the people. His father had taxed the people. But, and so somebody went to him and said, well, your daddy had high taxes. Can you bring the taxes down so the people would, would stay together? And he was like, raise them. That ain't, I, ain't got, I ain't got enough gold. I ain't got enough silver. We ain't got enough stuff. Ran. Raise the taxes. So that didn't go over real well with the people. Not at all. And so, and so uh, he created more problems than he solved. Problem after problem. He's creating problems, creating problems, creating problems. So what do you think ultimately happened to Mr. Rehoboam, King Rehoboam? Somebody knocked him off. He died. Okay? And, and so then after that, nobody wanted any sons of Solomon to be the king. So that meant the ten northern tribes began to be ruled by people who were not in the bloodline of King David. And not being in the bloodline of King David, that brought a whole new set of curses, issues, problems, okay? So the 10 are now being ruled under curses and problems and things the Lord said should not happen. The southern tribes were being led by uh, uh, descendants of King David, okay? So they were, they were okay for a minute. Okay, and so in both the ten and the two, the, 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 the nation became unstable. Now what happens when nations become unstable? Not just in the Bible, but just in the natural. When nations become unstable, more powerful ones look at them and say, oh, here's an opportunity for us. Why don't we just take that country, take those people and make them ours. Then they can pay our taxes, they can pay high taxes, and we'll have more money. So when the 10 became unstable, the Assyrians were watching. And the Assyrians saw the instability, and over time, they, they kept watching and watching. The two, Judah and Benjamin, they were kind of holding it in the road there for a little while. But they were being watched too. And when you're a nation, you got to know somebody's always watching you. And if somebody's always watching the nation, somebody's always watching you. Somebody's always watching me. And you need to be alert for that. Because whoever's watching, in this case, it was the adversary. Watching, looking for opportunities.
okay? So now the 10 are unstable. Now they're being led by wicked, functioning under curse, okay? The two are barely holding on, and the 10 are being led by wicked people. Well, now the Jewish people in the north, the 10, they wanted to say, well, you know, Jerusalem is in between the north and the south. We can go there for worship. And the people who were ruling over the 10 said, no, y'all ain't. Y'all not going down there. I said, y'all not going. So, so the 10 be, started moving further and further and further away from God. Not just, a, not just the temple building, but from God in their hearts. And so they started intermarrying with their neighbors who did not know God. They started being wild and crazy and moving away, away, away from God. And the further they moved away, it brought more opportunity for the Assyrians to come in and take over. And that's exactly what happened. The Assyrians came in and, and destroyed the 10 tribes. That part of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians. And what they did with all the people was they took all the people out of the nation, the land, the promised land of Israel, and took them back to Assyria. Does anybody know what happens when you're taken from your homeland and drug off somewhere else? What happens? They got a hotel waiting for you so you can just check in. You're enslaved. You, you, enslavement, enslavement is a part of it. And sometimes they'll take you to, to a big old open field or, or wilderness area and say, y'all can live over there and pay us some taxes. So if they say go live over there and you ain't got nothing, what you gonna have to do? Work hard, start over. Start with what? Nothing. This is what happened to the 10 Northern tribes. So they were taken by the Assyrians away in the south, back in, Israel, back in Israel, Judah and Benjamin been trying to hold it in a row. But they begin to do the same thing their northern brothers and sisters did, which was what? Move away, back, back, back up on their worship, back, back, back up on their relationship with God. And they were being watched. Who was watching them? They were being watched by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians saw, well, the 10 gone, so it's only two. We got this. We can take them. Yeah, and they, they're down there where Jerusalem is, and that's their great and holy city, and they have the beautiful temple, and that's where they worship God. But it's only two of them. It's tons of us. We're going over there, and we're going to take it. And that's what the Babylonians did. And at that time, they had a king. The Babylonians had a king. And the name of that king, you've heard before, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. You ever heard that name in the Bible? Yeah, he was the king of the Babylonians at that time. The Babylonians came in, swooped down on Judah and Benjamin, and took them into exile in, in Babylon. So now where's the nation of Israel? They're in Assyria, they're in Babylon. And their city, their, their crown jewel, Jerusalem, their, their, their crown place of worship, 
the temple that was built by Solomon is destroyed. And the city is sitting there empty like a ghost town. For how long? 50 years, 40's close, 50 years. It's just sitting there, sitting there. And the, the 10 northern tribes have been scattered in Assyria. The two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, they were carried away to Babylon into exile. Okay? Now, when they got to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do what the Assyrians did. He said, well, y'all can stay together, but y'all gonna have to pay taxes and y'all gonna have to work like Hebrew slaves. Because they were Hebrew slaves. And so they had to work. And they had to start their lives all over again. Start with what? Nothing. So there's the 10, there's the two. Everybody's, the 10 are scattered all over. They weren't allowed to stay together. The two in Babylon, they were allowed to stay together. Okay? So, before they were taken into captivity, while they were being wild and crazy, before the Assyrians came and took the 10 northern away, and before the Babylonians came and, and carted off the two southern uh, bands, the southern tribes, what were the, the people of Israel doing? Being wild and crazy, right? Moving away from worship, forgetting about worship, being forbidden to worship. Well, well, well they, didn't, they didn't have a king. The, the northern tribes didn't have no king because they, they, had, they had a bunch of, they, had a, they didn't have a godly king, let me put it that way. They, they had wicked kings not in the lineage of David. The southern ones had kings, lineage of David, but most of them were rotten, too. Right? So, so with all this rottenness going on, how are the people hearing anything about God? Hmm? Yes. They couldn't go to the temple. They didn't, some of them couldn't go, some of them didn't want to go. But in that space of time, they were still hearing what God wanted. They were still being reminded who God is through his prophets. Did you notice? They were still hearing about who he is, what he wants from them through his prophets. He was still communicating to them that he loved them through his prophets. Why, was he, why would he do that? I mean, they was acting wild and crazy. They kicked him to the curb. Why would, he, why would he speak to them through prophets? Because he loves with an everlasting love. He's still arms open speaking to them through his prophets. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So while all this stuff is going on in the midst of chaos, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of rebellion, in the, in the midst of backsliding, God 
is still reaching in love towards his people. Still reaching in love towards his people. Now they didn't pay him much mind, but nevertheless, in there, the Lord wants us to see that he, in the midst of chaos, confusion, rebellion, rejection, he's still speaking. He still has a word. He still has encouragement. He still wants to edify and build us up. That's who he is, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, that's going to take us five more minutes into Ezra, okay? All right? Because the ten northern tribes, they could not, they, they, they didn't come all together and say, we're going back to Jerusalem. We're not going back to our native land, going back to the promised land, because they were all spread out all over Assyria. However, the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, over in Babylon, under Nebuchadnezzar, God is working on the Babylonian kings. Do you know anybody in the word that you've read about that was a witness for God in front of Nebuchadnezzar the king? Come on, somebody knows more than one. Do you know four people <laughs> that, that, that were, were a witness to who God is in front of their, their, their captive king, the king who was holding them captive? Daniel, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, 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 were, they were in bondage under Babylonian authority, paying taxes to Babylonian authority, and yet at the same time standing as witnesses to who God is. Because, because why would they do that? Why would Daniel do that? Why would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, why would they do that? Why would they stand as witnesses to who God is in the face of an evil king and an evil regime? Why, what would they, why would they do that? What was their custom? To only serve God. To only serve, they would not bow to, uh, to anybody other than their God, other than the Lord God of Israel, right? So, so they're standing as witnesses to who God is, and they refuse to bow to the king. Did it cost them anything to do that? Did they just say, you know what, king, uh, we, we, we don't bow to anybody but God, and uh, so hope you understand. Uh, so we're going to go over here, and we're just going we, we to be nice and peaceful, but we're not bowing. <laughs> was he down with that? He was not down with that. He was not down with that. And so, and so, what did God have to do so that, their, so that their witness was exalted? Can't hear you. 
Miracles, did I hear miracles? <laughs> yes, he did miracles. Delivered them from fiery furnace. Delivered them from being burned alive. And after seeing that miracle, the king got a revelation. Right? What was that revelation? That their God is God. Right? Right? And ultimately, what happened to the Jews who were under Babylonian captivity was even after Nebuchadnezzar died and another king was raised up named Cyrus, he, he issued a decree that uh, the Jews can go back home if they want to. Right? Now, he said, y'all can go if you want to. Some people were like, oh, great, great, great. We're going. Other ones said, you know what? We've been here a long time, and I done, and I done figured out how to make it over here, and I'm staying. So everybody didn't go. But some did. Okay? And uh, many did. And that's where, uh, that's what we're looking at, we want to look at right now. So in, in the book of Ezra, the book of Ezra talks about, tells us about the return of the nation of, I shouldn't say the whole nation, but the southern tribes returning to their promised land. Judah and Benjamin returning to their promised land. But uh, guess what? They didn't all go back at the same time. Uh, because because uh, how far was it from Babylon to Jerusalem? Like from here to Raleigh, maybe? Here to Chapel Hill? It was hundreds of miles. It was about 800 miles. So they decided to take a flight. <laughs> no flights. Airplanes shut down. Airports shut down. So, so to go back meant a commitment, right? Meant you really wanted to go. Man, you, you knew that God is your God and you need to be obeying him, getting back in right relationship. So there were three, <laughs> three trips back to the promised land. The first trip took place before Ezra was even born. That was the first group that were allowed to go back when Cyrus said, y'all can go. Then there was one group that went back to, to Jerusalem. And that group, when they went back, they went back to, uh, to rebuild the temple. And then there was a second group that went back to the promised land. And that group went back during Ezra's lifetime. And Ezra was the leader of those people who went back 
the second group that went back. So, so, so when they went back, it, didn't, it took them a long time to get back, right? And then when they got there, there was work to be done, right? So this took place over a course of not weeks, not months, years, okay? So, so now Ezra is leading people back. Ezra was a word guy. He, he, he was a priest and the word of God was precious to him. And the word of God was number one for him. And he wanted it to be number one in the hearts of his people. So he took them back, he led them back to Jerusalem so that the temple that was rebuilt could be filled with fresh worship and fresh instruction on how to worship. Then there was a third going, a third group that went back to the promised land and that third group went back to the promised land under the leadership of Nehemiah. Who's ever heard of Nehemiah? And his assignment when he, when he led people back to the promised land was to rebuild the what? Whoa. The walls around the city. And, he, and it was done supernaturally, wasn't it? It was done by the people supernaturally in a short space of time. Took a while, right? Okay, all right. Let me show you one thing and, and uh, then we'll stop. You got your book of Ezra open, open to the book of Ezra, because I just want to show you something. I think this is so awesome. So the things that are written in the book of Ezra take place over years and years and years and years, many, 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 many of them. Okay? So let's, let's divide the book of Ezra like kind of sort of in half, okay? So do you have your Bible to open in the book of Ezra? You open, okay? So chapter one, chapter two talks about list the people that went back to the promised land, back to Jerusalem, okay? Thousands, hundreds of them, thousands of them. Chapter three talks about uh, the altar being rebuilt and the temple, okay? And the restoration of the temple. Chapter four talks about opposition. They trying to rebuild the house of the Lord and somebody want to fight. Y'all don't know nothing about that, right? They want to build the house of the Lord. Somebody want to fight. So they get in opposition, okay? Chapter six. Okay, they finally break through, persevere through. The temple is finished and dedicated. All right? Where are we at now? Ezra chapter what? Six. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Okay? I'm going to tell you one more thing. And then, we'll, and then we'll look at the rest of it next time. Okay? Um, at the end of Ezra chapter 6, the last verse is what? 22. Are you there? Okay. I'm going to read it. Are you there? It says, uh, And kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. For the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria 
unto them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Okay? And at the end of Israel, there's a period, right? Before, verse, before chapter 7 starts, right? Uh, between that period and the, and the first verse of the next chapter 7 was 58 years. And in that 58-year period was the life and the story of Queen Esther. Because she was instrumental in the next group of people going back to the promised land. So, so Ezra's just going on and he's talking about the first group that went and the second group that went. And he don't say nothing about Esther right here, does he? No. But the next book is Nehemiah and then Esther. But between verse six, chapter 6 and chapter 7, was 58 years, and in that space was the rise of Queen Esther and the work that she did to position her people to be able to go forward and not be destroyed, and the line of David to continue. That's awesome, right? Isn't that good? Amen. And so where is Jesus in all this? Is there anything that looks like Jesus in all this? There's, there's, there's the love of God continuous, continuous towards his people. There, there's a plan that God has in operation to preserve the nation even though they've been separated, even though they've been torn apart, even though they've been ripped apart, even though they've been ripped away from the promised land. There's evidence that the covenant is still in effect, isn't there? He said his promises would he not break. Didn't he promise to take care of them? Did he take care of them in a horrible place? Yes. yes. Does he take care of us in horrible places? Yes. Has he taken care of us in horrible places? Yes. Will he take care of us in horrible places? Does he love us with an everlasting love? Yes. To God be the glory. We we'll continue next time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.